0: Law Talk Radio.
1: Thank you for tuning in to ALR PRA Incorporated Weekly Law Practice Management Radio. ALR PRA Incorporated is a national law practice management agency with offices in DuPage County, Illinois and Orange County, California. We are a company run by lawyers for lawyers who want the tips, tools and services to help them spend more time practicing law and less time worrying about the business. We specialize in providing in-house and subcontracted law practice management services through our two main divisions, pleading drafter and law publicist. Our operations serve the greater suburban regions in and around Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C. Our pleading drafter division focuses on court call coverage, contract, and permanent attorney and staff placement. Our additional pleading drafter services include file scanning, audits, and all the other collateral functions of law firm production and work product. We also have an eBay store to help law firms gently sell used office equipment. Our Law Publicist Division focuses on the law firm marketing, branding, and image consulting. Public relations for law firms is important, and ALRPRA has direct lines to the media outlets. Our event planning options include studio-quality video production, and our monthly communications services specialize in blog and newsletter writing, as well as full social media administration. Additionally, the Law Publicist On Point is the ALR PRA monthly publication featuring a variety of articles and resources to help law firms maximize their law practice management systems and grow their firms. Our circulation to thousands of law firms offers innovative opportunities for legal professionals to share information and generate new business. We are always looking for great content and advertisers for our Illinois and California editions of the On Point. We broadcast every Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern, which is also 3 p.m. Central and 1 p.m. Pacific time. We have a great show for you this afternoon, and we will open up for our callers 30 minutes from now. Uh, Be sure to email your questions during the show or after for further shows to info, I-N-F-O, at A-L-R-P-R-A dot com, And during the show at 30 minutes, you can call in by dialing area code 917-889-9732 and press option 1 to be placed in the caller queue. Again, that telephone number is area code 917-889-9732, and please press 1 to be placed in the queue. Today is Thursday, January 21st, 2010, and I am your host, Nick Augustine, and I am here with our guest, Alec Wisner, who is here today to talk about mediation. Since forming Wisner Dispute Resolution Services in 2003, Alec Wisner has been using his unique and diverse background to assist hundreds of clients successfully resolving their disputes. Alec attended UCLA, and after graduating in 1971, Alec attended the University of Southern California Law Center, earning his JD in 1974. As a lawyer... Alec worked in the areas of family and commercial law. Alec also held prominent management positions in corporate America in the printing and publishing industry. Returning to the full-time practice of law, Mr. Wisner became a principal in Stanbury, Fisherman and Wisner in Los Angeles, California. As an attorney, Mr. Wisner's practice encompassed complex civil litigation, class actions, as well as family law. Thoroughly trained in all aspects of mediation, especially in the areas of commercial as well as family law and divorce mediation areas, ALEC provides both an understanding of the underlying issues and an ability to facilitate positive communications. Quickly note that ALEC's contact information is telephone number, area code 818 776 one eight one three. Again, that is area code eight one eight seven seven six one eight one three. You can email Alec Wisner at Alec, A L E C, at Wisner dot com, which is W I S N E R D I S P U T E R E S O L O U T I O N dot com. You can also Google and find Alec Wisner on the web at Wisner dot com. Without any uh, further uh, introduction, we'd like to welcome our guest, Alec Wisner. Alec, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, Nick. And before we we get into um, the 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 show itself, I just want to thank you so much for having me as a guest and allowing me to um, to spread the word about mediation today.
1: Well, Alec, we're pleased to have you as a guest, and we look forward to learning a little bit more about the procedures and um, basically what. Uh, you know, what is hot in mediation, uh, you know, what it entails, and um, some more questions from our callers, hopefully at the halfway point. Again, callers, if you have any questions, you can call us again at area code 917-889-9732 and press option one. Alternatively, feel free to email your questions to infoinfo at com. Of the format of the show, uh, we will have a question-and-answer dialogue back and forth between myself and Alec Wisner. Um, My first question is, Alec, do you have to be an attorney to mediate litigated
2: cases in California? Um, If I'm California, the answer is absolutely not. Um, There are no requirements, um, per se, to be a mediator in California. Um, You can theoretically walk in off the street and hang up a shingle, But realistically, um, it really depends on the mediation involved. For example, in litigated cases where attorneys are involved, um, realistically, they feel much, much more comfortable when the mediator is also an attorney. And certain types of cases, uh, for example, those involving contracts or insurance issues, that sort of thing, are often... um, In fact, I say almost always refer to attorney mediators because of the specialized legal knowledge that's required. But in other areas, such as divorce mediation, the advantage is not so pronounced. Um, A lot of therapists, for example, um, come into mediation from that direction and have skills that are not legally based but are are just as valuable in, in resolving divorce cases. Um, areas such as construction, the parties may prefer to have an expert in construction itself, somebody with a strong construction background um, as opposed to an attorney with a lot less knowledge uh, in the field.
1: Hmm. now, when someone is a mediator and they want to be a mediator in California, for example, do they uh, serve on any other are uh, uh, any other boards usually or members
2: of several you know panels or groups? um they can be they can be Uh, one of the most popular panels at least here in Los Angeles County where I'm located is um the Los Angeles Superior Court panel now that panel has two components there's a pro bono panel which requires 40 hours of me basic mediation training and that's readily available there's a cost attached to it which is um not terribly expensive and uh... that's the only qualification is that you take your training um and that allows you to get pro bono cases which means you have to provide 3 free hours after which you can charge uh, whatever your rate is there's also a party pay panel which requires you to have successfully complete completed at least 25 mediations in which case you can charge $150 an hour for the first 3 hours and then revert to your normal rate and um that's highly, th- these panels are highly recommended for the beginning mediators. Now, the more advanced mediators go on to specialized panels. For example, there's AAA, which does, um, the, well, that's the American Arbitration Association, but they also do mediations and for various industries. Um, there's the real estate board, which does specialized real estate mediation, but they look for very, very specialized qualifications for experience in mediating in those specific fields. There are groups such as JAMS, um, which are composed to a great degree of retired judges uh, who have reputations and have that H.O.N. before their names. But they will also accept very experienced mediators onto their panels, and that's very much a case of reputation, uh, peer review, who you are and what you've done. And and that's something that, that really, it takes years to build up that sort of reputation to get onto those panels.
1: Mhm um, go ahead
2: well well that's that's really that's really what what the panel situation is here in Los Angeles. There are national organizations, but in the end, you still have to deal with it in your locality. Uh, some mediators do have a national practice, but the truth of the matter is that um when I've been approached by people here in Los Angeles uh, who know me personally and ask me if I'd be willing, for example, to go to New York to um, to mediate something that I consider relatively minor, I've always turned to them and said, Well, you know, I think it would be wiser for me to recommend a, an excellent mediator in New York mm-hmm. and save you the airfare and the hotel expense that I would have to charge you. Um, because in terms of travel, or at least serious travel, a case would have to really be very, 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 very major. I mean, it would have to take days and days sure. of work for for the the cost of travel to be warranted. And I would never, ever mislead a client by suggesting that I'm so so wonderful that um, that I, I can't be I can't be matched by somebody in a local <laughs> in a, in a right. local situation. I know mediators all over the country, and I I know people who are wonderful, you know, in, in every major city that I can recommend. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, one of the other things that you touched on, uh, as well as to my question of uh, whether one needs to be a first uh, a practicing attorney to be a mediator, and you already answered that question, but talk if you could talk a little bit more about why that would be so relevant, and, you know, especially being able to, um, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, wrap your head around um, some of the complex civil litigation issues and other things that are state-specific. Um
2: well, I don't know if there's so much state-specific. You know, the law as a whole um, is broadly national. You have you have state um, curiosities, I, I guess, for lack of a better word. Right. Uh, well, sp-
1: the, the, the the reason I ask, you know, specifically, I went to law school here in Illinois, and um, you know, California, New York, and Illinois I always, you know, have some you know, some of their own, you know. Idiosyncrasies as far as the laws go. So I just I, I think it would seem to me that it would be difficult for an out-of-state uh, you know individual to be a California mediator. And just that's my that's my uh, you know my knee-jerk reaction to it. But go ahead. Well,
2: well, well it's hard it's hard to say. Um, to be honest with you, um, my my it's super in-depth knowledge. Um, you know, and keep, and keep in mind that I have an actively practiced law since the end of two thousand and two. So my knowledge, for one thing, is a bit dated. I, I try to keep up with the literature, but it's not the same as you know, deep, deep daily practice and being in the throes of litigation full time. Um, and my my practice was very was very limited. I did complex civil litigation and it, mostly in the class action and uh, and uh, business tort area. So, for example, when I go and do an employment case, that's not an area that I litigated to any great degree. But there were two factors you have to remember. Number one, the art of mediation is a constant. The mediator's tools are a constant. Um, The art of sensing what people are about and what their needs are and what they're seeking to accomplish is universal. Um, Second of all, I know a fair amount about employment law. Um, it's not that I'm a stranger to it. I've dealt with it over, over my 35-year career, and I've dealt with it uh, for, to a great degree. What I expect the attorneys to do is to brief me before the mediation, and if necessary, I discuss the case with each of them in order to become better educated. If I need to read a case or two, I ask the attorneys to provide them to me, to educate me. Um uh, so that i am up to date with the specific law as it applies to the specific case i don't need to become an employment law expert i just need to understand what the law is as it applies to the case and that only in so far as it's important in terms of settling the case because sometimes sure. sometimes the law itself doesn't come into play the attorneys may agree as to what the law is it's a question of what the court is likely or unlikely to do in terms of persuading the two sides uh, as to what a realistic likelihood is in terms of you know what what, what settlement is is makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that sense, if I were to walk into an Arizona courtroom or an Arizona office, um, I don't think I'd have any problem. I'm licensed in Nevada, for example, and I'm not terribly familiar with the Nevada um, laws. I, I was I was up up on them very well in 1996 when I took the bar exam, but I haven't said. <laughs> I haven't set foot in a Nevada court, courtroom in my life. Sure. Um, you know, and if I came to Illinois, I, I'm very confident that I could resolve cases as a mediator. Um, you know, it might take a little briefing, but I'm sure I could do it. And I, I think most mediators feel the same way.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, do mediators ever seek uh, outside additional help or counsel or, uh, you know, on real complex matters? Is that ever something that happens?
2: Well, outside help on complex matters is very common whether mediators seek it or not is, 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 is a little more um, murky murky question.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Typically, both sides will come to the mediation with their experts in tow. They will already have done their due diligence. Um, if neither side has yet gotten an expert opinion and they're in the dark about something you know factual that's crucial to their cases, they're probably not ready to mediate. And in my dealings with them, I will probably have... Discovered that and, and indicated that the mediation ought to take place after they've gotten that information. But assuming they come in fully prepared and they have their expert reports um, or the information, even if it's not been disclosed to the other side, at least something they can tell me about, uh, that's helpful. Now, to the degree that we proceed with a mediation, for example, and um, Let's say we're moving along, and an issue comes up that wasn't clear before, because of an exchange of information that happens during the mediation. Um, something appears to be in controversy, that wasn't aware that it wasn't clear to anybody before that, and because of that, it becomes apparent that there's an information gap, and neither attorney mm-hmm. is comfortable going forward now, personally. I'm not troubled by that, because my philosophy is any case can settle at any time, including the very day it's discovered. And I can explain that if you'd like later on. on. Well, let me finish this first. Um, But if the attorneys are absolutely unwilling, and I have a lot of tools I use to try to to convince them otherwise.
1: Are they large blunt objects, or...?
2: Right, but but there are cases when the attorneys are just you know dig their keels in and aren't willing to go forward, and but are willing to settle the case. You know, and I have to do that evaluation myself. What I may do is say, look, rather than you know have you pay me to sit here and you know and and just go in circles, why don't we adjourn for uh, you know whatever length of time it takes, and we negotiate that out, say two weeks or a month or whatever it is. And let's get that information. And if possible, I recommend that they do it jointly to save expenses. If they can agree on a single expert, let's just get the information. If it's factual, let's open up the books um, to each side. Let's just expose the information and not play games, and not use subpoenas or discovery. Let's just get it out there so that we can get this mediation, you know, going again. Right. And and that often, you know, breaks the ice and we move forward pretty quickly. Um if they have to hire someone, I recommend they do it jointly if possible. Um uh, and sometimes with my impetus, you know, it gets them together where there they've been old, maybe a little animosity before. As to my going out and providing an expert, um I've I've pretty much not done that. In divorce cases, um I may do that. I may bring in an expert, but the clients are gonna be billed directly. I, I don't personally hire anybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um and the same thing would be true in a commercial case if they wanted me to recommend somebody I I know a lot of experts but sure but uh, but I I'm not going to stand behind the expert's work guaranteed or anything of the kind I'm just simply going to make the introduction and they're going to be billed
1: hmm. but and now um, before I have I have I have several questions uh for you today um before we, before we get more into uh, mediation, self-procedural and questions, let me just ask, why, how, how and why did you uh, become a mediator? How did this come about?
2: Well, let, let me just give you a little background. When I was practicing uh, in litigation, my partners wouldn't let me go, go within a whiff of a mediation because they felt I was too conciliatory. Um, I've always had the ability to understand both sides. That's why um, in my in our office, I was always the uh, strategist, because I could understand what the other side was likely to do. And then I would know what I would want to do in re- response, and I would have a fairly good idea of what they ought to do um, in response to that. Mm-hmm or at least what they should do. With the, you know, and My partners would say, but what if they don't? And I would tell them, well, then they've done something less reasonable and less rational, and that's okay with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so,
0: you know, that kind of thing didn't worry
2: me. I could always plot out a case. As a champion debater in college, I, I, I certainly had that skill going back a long time. Sure. And as an, as an Aspie myself, um, it just comes naturally. As a what? An Aspie. I have Asperger's syndrome.
1: What, do you mind sharing what that means to you? Not, not everyone may be familiar with the
2: Well, Asperger's syndrome is, and this may, may shock people, but it's not what it sounds like. It's a, um, it's on the um, autism spectrum. It's a very, very high-functioning form of autism. Um, it allows me to focus and to think very narrowly and to concentrate. Uh, that's why I have a very retentive memory. Why I don't take very many notes in the mediation. And I can focus on the people themselves, which is what I do. Um, I'm very fact-oriented without having to think very hard about it. But my people skills are something I have to work on consciously, and I do that in the mediation room. Um, but in terms of thinking ahead and, and 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 evaluating a case, it's hard to explain. But but I think in pictures; it just comes naturally. I don't even have to make. A, the same effort, I guess, a lot of people do. Um,
1: so, sort of, maybe like having a photographic memory, but um, you know, on a different, a whole different level.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, if you know, if if you're not an Aspie, it's hard to it's hard to understand it. Um, Adrian Monk, the TV detective, is probably the closest sure. example you'd have. You know, they emphasize his OCD, but as an Aspie, I think you know, he's he's definitely an Aspie. I mean, just the way he looks and the way he. You know when you, they show you how he reconstructs the crime, that's that's an Aspian in action. <laughs> uh, and, like <laughs> and like no, and like and like Monk, look, and like Monk says on the show for those of you who watch it, it's a blessing and it's a curse, <laughs> and, we, and believe me, that's true. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, in my office, I was I was known by by, by my partners as the savant. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, they wouldn't let me near a near mediation because I would settle the case too quickly. I was too reasonable. That's not, that's not billable. <laughs> right. They, they didn't want that. They were, they were much, yeah. more, much more aggressive and litigious than I was. Anyway, yeah. uh-huh. um, in 1999, when my father passed away, the family business that I had been involved in for 18 years um, up till 1996 uh, blew apart, and I got embroiled in lawsuits as a plaintiff myself and uh, that litigation almost destroyed me. I I, I won the battles, but almost lost the war. Um, I needed to do it for my own financial security, which I obtained, but I ended up in a hospital. I almost lost my my whole family. It was just terrible. And in the course of that, I attended several mediations uh, because I was a party right and there was there was some excellent mediation done, but I, I, I encountered some horrible mediators, one of them threatened my wife with a malicious prosecution lawsuit. what yeah she met the other yeah this this woman met the other side first and then just walked in, assuming that everything that the other side told her was true and attacked us.
0: who
2: uh, you know, mind you, we prevailed in the lawsuit, but regardless uh, you know i just I just was stunned at at, at, at how you know how broad the the spectrum was, from good to horrible, and I just
1: in talent of mediators or in quality? Uh, yeah
2: yeah in, in in what what was out there, and um, and plus when I when I realized you know when I saw my wife on the stand and what she went through, I mean I was an attorney and it traumatized me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: uh... You know I always understood. I mean I turned away a lot of clients before I was ever a party to a lawsuit because I realized what the trauma was doing to their lives and. If they didn't understand, I knew that it wasn't worth their their pursuing a lawsuit. But um, now, when I was in the hospital and, again, started to recover and get better, um, and I was retired by then, I'd I'd retired from my firm for entirely unrelated reasons, Uh, I decided that I, I, I really wanted to help people avoid the horrible things I'd gone through. Uh, and understand, Nick, that I firmly believe you need the litigated possibility to be able to get a mediated solution. Mm-hmm. Nobody will mediate if they if they aren't threatened with a lawsuit. Well,
1: there's nothing at issue. Why, you know?
2: That's right. right. But 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 having said that, um, I'm so committed to mediation and resolution and getting things settled and behind you. Uh, I love what I do. Uh, I, I really found my calling in mediation, and I so so love it. It's, um,
1: it's you know it's very true that um, you know I've experienced as well uh, my own personal uh, you know ca- you know cases and things going on affecting you know me or someone a member of my family, and the point when it's but you don't realize how much these things weigh on you until you're at a point where you can cut and let it go, and then you realize the sense of relief you have. To get it done, and I think that a lot of attorneys out there, um, you know, become blind to the emotional impact that litigation has on the parties. Um, it becomes so, you know, I, you know, my background in divorce, um, I, you know, after a while, you know, nothing struck me as odd or unusual. Things that, you know, most people are, you know, really shocked by. So that sounds like you had a, that that experience then.
2: Well, well, that. Well, let me let me just say this too. Uh, i've met very few attorneys who aren't very very anxious uh legitimately to settle cases and not because they want to get them done because these same attorneys are perfectly willing to go to the mat they're not going to sell their clients out far from it but but they're compassionate people um almost all of them i i've met only one or two attorneys i thought were jerks on that you know on that level but I look at myself, I thought of myself as a very compassionate attorney, very understanding. But, but yeah, I, I had an awakening that I couldn't have gotten any other way.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I was, you know, in, into my 50s before that happened. I mean, I'd gone through a lot of life and, and hadn't learned that lesson. And, um, you know, I, I one of my strengths in mediation, I think, is my ability to use anecdotes. You know, when I want to make a point rather than confront something that a party is saying i'll just tell an anecdote and let them draw their own conclusions because i have so many of them having lived as long as i have
0: <laughs> you know I,
2: I never dissemble i never lie in a mediation uh, you know or mislead if i don't want to say something i don't say it but i never mislead so you know i'll use an anecdote and then that might spur a discussion where some eyes will open up but um You know, but the attorneys generally are my allies. Um, The biggest problem the attorneys often have is is, is their clients' inflated expectations, um, which they may or may not be responsible for. You know, a lot of times the clients take it upon themselves to inflate their expectations. You know, the neighbors or the relatives pick them on, oh, you're going to make a killing here, you're going to get rich. Oh,
1: right, this
2: grocery Uh, store talk. Yeah, and 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 then now the attorney's between a rock and a hard place, and some of them have just come to me on the side during a mediation and verbally said, "Help me,
1: <laughs> help. There's nothing here, please help, right?" Well,
2: yeah, and other ones haven't been so blunt, but I can read it, you know. That that's sure. what they need me for—to just you know to to beat up on their client a little bit with reality checks, to you know to to just try to get some sense into the situation, and that's you know that that's a big part of my job. Which has nothing to do with the law per se. It has everything to do with, with being compassionate, right? And, and, and trying to do what's best for everybody in the room.
1: Can I ask a question? You mentioned that you don't take a lot of notes, and the first thing that comes to mind um, is uh, one of our, our one of our guests uh, radio program a couple of weeks ago was an appellate court justice talking about uh, building a record uh, for purposes on appeal. Now you know, knowing that mediation is different. Uh, procedural, you know, place, um, and not taking notes or recording the mediation, do people, uh, how do people respond to that?
2: Well, oh, first of all, it, it, it's not their concern. I mean, the, everybody in the mediation has a, an absolute right to take whatever notes they'd like. Okay. That's number one. Number two, my notes are not admissible evidence under under the California Evidence Code, Section 819, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And my testimony is not admissible evidence for the same reason we have a strict confidentiality law in california uh... there are some some slight exceptions that have been litigated but by and large i take a strict stand that unless i'm ordered to do so by a judge i'm not going to consider revealing anything that went on in the mediation turning over my notes or opening my mouth uh... and even then i would have a counsel at my side and might still refuse and allow it to go up on appeal mm-hmm. uh, but I would certainly be represented before I even thought about, you know, making a, a decision. I, I take the position as all completely and utterly confidential. So whether or not I take notes is immaterial. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to see them. Uh, the notes I do take tend to be mathematical. To be to just just let you know. Sure. Uh, I'm very good mathematically, but regardless, you know, if we're dealing with percentages and they're they're giving me justifications and I want to work something out, I may want to write it down before I go to the other side. So I I have it with me in my pocket. But, um, you know, in terms of, of going out and trying to use something that happened in the mediation, you're not allowed to. If an attorney tells the judge or, or, or a jury or, or anybody anything that happened in the room, they violated the confidentiality. That's a serious breach. They're subject to bar discipline.
1: So have you ever seen a problem with that?
2: Have Is I seen a problem? Attorney, not, y- not, yeah, not have you it, seen
1: attorneys get called on the carpet for that.
2: Absolutely.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I, I haven't seen it personally in my in my mediations, but absolutely, and I and I think that's something that ought to really be emphasized, because uh, that is such a major breach. You know. You know. Let me say something else, Nick. There's a problem inherent in a mediation, and that's this: even with confidentiality, the genie is out of the bottle. You know, what is said in a mediation can't be unsaid. And even I, if yeah. yeah, and even if the information cannot be conveyed directly, it can certainly be used to. Strategized by the opposing counsel, and that's always a consideration that I have to be aware of in terms of what I can and can't do with each attorney. Um, and it's a, it's a very delicate point. It, it, it's not as important as the attorneys think, but by the same token, number one, I can't be dismissive because that's a slap in their face, telling them they don't know what they're talking about because they, right. you know, that they do know what they're talking about. Number one, I, I respect them. But number two, to the degree I think they're overstating it, it's much easier to discuss it affirmatively than to confront them. I, I try not to confront anybody. I mean, do you ever think you persuade people by saying you're an idiot, you're a fool? Mm-hmm. You
0: know,
2: no, I, I don't I'm really. <laughs> I don't. I, I I do not challenge people on, on, on their assumptions directly if it is at all possible. I, where I, I just don't. Idiot.
1: Here here in Chicago, you have to be careful because you might end up in the parking lot swinging so or, or in the Chicago or in the
2: Chicago River face down
1: yeah, right exactly we, yeah well you know our um, you know we're not we're not the we're not you know sometimes I think we're an anomaly, but you know there's also the east coast and um I know you uh, originally come out of New York, so um, I don't have to explain to you. So um, I, I want to move on to a couple more questions. I want to ask you some procedural questions about mediation in California and then move on to um, what your professional approaches are. So um, sure. if I may, first, uh, which cases, and you know, I, I always think in terms of our listeners, um, there may be some young attorneys out there listening, or uh, you know, other you know individuals who don't really know uh, how the is played with mediation. So this is sort of an opportunity to uh, qu- uh, cue them in. So first, um, what cases are require mediation? Requ- what legal cases require mediation in California?
2: Well, in California, as a matter, you know, just practically speaking, every case goes out to mediation. Um, almost no exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, limited jurisdiction cases can be ordered to mediation that means any cases involving um, $25,000 or less can be ordered to mediation and generally are cases above 25 and, and this is uh, this is information that's a few years dated if the rule has changed I'm not aware of it but cases 25,000 and above last time I checked could not be ordered to mediation because of I think it's the DARPA law um, in any event they have to be uh, referred to mediation, which is a gentle way of ordering to mediation. Sure. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I've been in, in in chambers with judges when I was practicing where, in a, where, where opposing counsel said there's no point in mediating this case uh, because we're not going to give an inch. And the judge said, well, why don't you go into mediation and, and see if that's really the case? Judges don't accept no for an answer, even if the attorney tries.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: politically, it's not a really good idea to tell the judge, I, "I'm an obstinate, I'm an obstinate a-hole." It just doesn't really <laughs> go, go over well when, when this is the judge who's going to be trying the case.
1: I, right. I have a i I was told um, on a, by a judge here in DuPage County that I tried the patience of the court, and I thought about it after a while. And, um, yeah, you, you, you don't want to uh, try the patience of the court on a routine basis.
2: So yeah, it's n- n- now in specialized,
0: right. <laughs> you know, Now,
2: in specialized areas like probate, which is something I don't do, I'm not uh-huh. terribly qualified. Uh, but a good friend of mine does probate and has for years, tells me that they send cases out twice. If it fails once, they send them out twice. They just don't, really? want, they don't want them in the courtroom, they want them settled. Right.
0: clogs the um, docket.
2: Right. Divorce cases are sent out routinely. To a specialized divorce panel. Um, now, the major cases often are go to private uh, private mediation by the choice of the attorneys. You know that's that's always an alternative, because when you go to the well, if you go to the pro, bo- pro bono panel, it's luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. And even when you go to the party pay panel, you're only getting a saving for for three hours worth. Um, and it's really a drop in the bucket on a major case so you know if you go to the to the private panels ordered with a mediator directly you have a far far greater choice you can go to the the major major mediators who pretty much don't take the you know the the l.a superior court panel cases
0: right, for, right. for example
2: i you know i take pro bono cases but i take a couple of months if i'm if i have a a quiet period and I i just have a jones to do some mediation which sometimes happens I'll call the court and see if they have some short-notice cases they want to throw my way. And yeah, believe me, yeah. they they always do. <laughs> or or I'll, or I'll go down to small claims, or I'll, or I'll go to a community mediation center and offer a day or two. I'll call them, sure. you know, because there's always peop there's always people who can use my services for free.
1: You know, it it seems like it would be advantageous. I'm just thinking from a procedure from well from a strategy matter. Um, that if you know you're going to end up with a, a private mediator, it seems like it would be a good idea to just uh, hire one uh, from the get-go. Because if you take the pro bono side, what happens if one of the parties really likes one of the suggestions of that individual, um, and then you know the private mediator has different opinions? I just could see potential for people getting stuck on uh, one set of scenario, and then you know, sort of ha- you know, in a, in a sense where you'd have to undo uh, someone else's work. It just seems like. A good idea it would you know to go to a private mediator immediately that 's what my gut tells me
2: well well, a lot of people do you know the people who are very serious about mediating very serious cases um, to a great degree go to go, go the private route right away now, when you say from the get go that would be from the get go of when me- they feel mediation is is required right my own opinion is too many too too many um, parties don't get to it early enough, which in many cases would be pre-litigation. Um, there are cases in which not too many of them, unfortunately, cases in which I've, uh, I've restored relationships that had pretty much gone down the sewer, business relationships.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that was pretty you know, I, I, that's pretty, pretty rare because by the time they're deep into litigation, with all of the animosity and the accusations and all the things said you know, that can't be unsaid, Um, irreparable damage is often done just through the litigation process itself whereas if you um, you know you have two parties trying for example to to figure out who owes who what or trying to figure out whether goods were delivered or, or whatever it is they're arguing about before they call one another thieves if they understand that they're at an impasse and they can't solve it that's the time to bring a mediator in before Got the words it. are uttered <clears throat> uh, you know if they if they want to stay, stay continue doing business together if they if they don't care um you know maybe it doesn't matter to them they can they can go their own way but it's tragic when they when they don't think and they just start yelling at each other and then hire lawyers go to war and right. then as an afterthought when the court tells them to they get a mediator and by then you know they they absolutely abhor one another <laughs>
0: Yeah, so well you know, they,
2: they they they've established new relationships with different vendors.
1: Right. Right. So it seems that yeah, uh, I, I that's you know I think that's something that is not so intuitive to people to seek out a mediator prior to uh filing, you know, filing a complaint or uh you know going straight to court. Um so you know, let's let's ask this question. How do they choose the mediator? Let's say uh you're in a situation, let's say it's a a complex civil matter or um business matter and you are, you know, you think you have enough of a case to sue the person, but maybe you want to go to mediation. So let's say you're a small business owner and you want to do this uh, and you don't already have, uh, you know, mediators you know. What's a good route? How does someone go about doing this?
2: Well, um, it's very, very dicey because one of the inherent dangers is that if one side contacts a mediator, the other side will immediately decide the mediator must be biased uh, it's human nature uh-huh. it's the same thing with attorneys um you know i 'm called regularly by attorneys who want want to use me or want to recommend me as a mediator um i'm hired a fraction of the time and and that's that's predictable um, The best thing they can do is contact me and without going into into it too much, give me a little information and have me call the other other attorney um if that's if that's feasible, uh, if I'm going on to a list that where, for example, each attorney is going to provide two or three names, and then they'll run it by the other attorney. I mean, this is what they do. Um, you know, in, in the case of divorce, for example, I'm often called by one spouse, and I'll always ask them, you know, is is your is your spouse on board? And if the answer is no, uh, you know, mm-hmm. well, how are we going to we going to approach this? Do you want me to contact them directly? That might be better. Just just put it above board. Uh, but, now, you know, does that's
1: spouse have an attorney yet or no? Would you have an attorney? Well, well,
2: of course I want to know that first. If they have an attorney, yeah. I, can't, I can't contact directly. Right. You know, that's unethical. And as an attorney, I, you know, I know that. So, um, you know, how they're chosen, um, you know, very often, I mean, the, the really seasoned attorneys know who the good mediators are. And you know can usually pretty pretty quickly agree on one. I mean, you know, the notion that mediators are biased is 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 is, is really silly, uh, especially at the experienced ones. Because the minute you you even appear to be biased, you you just lose your credibility and can't possibly do your job. Certainly, that's especially true in divorce mediation. Uh, you know. As a commercial mediator, I consider myself evaluative. I I tend to form opinions. Uh, I don't necessarily express them, and it doesn't necessarily, uh, or or if I don't want it to, it won't affect my demeanor. Um, But in in divorce mediation, I'm what's called facilitative. I absolutely will not show any indication of any opinion of, of my own, because the minute I do, it's invariable that one side is going to decide that they see bias, in which case I'm dead in the sure. water. Sure,
0: in a divorce. Yeah, you know,
1: score, score one on my side. You know. Sure, I can see that. Yeah, um, now, when the when a person is interested in you know in doing that and they can appreciate the value um, in using services such as yours um, to accomplish some of the goals we've been talking about, short of filing an action in court, what would they expect to pay for private mediation? How uh, and, and really and I suppose you know if they were court ordered uh you know and people in the parties split the uh, mediation costs, but you know what if what if they're you know we're not in court yet um, and you know one individual has a beef with some another individual um what what's your experience with that, and how much do they pay who pays how does that all work
2: Well, they would pay me the same my 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 fees are what they are um, it doesn't uh-huh. matter to me whether a case is in court or not um, my attitude on a, on a pre litigation case, especially if attorneys are not yet involved is uh, you know, when discussing the fee, if there's feedback, my my only response would be, well, you know, consider how much you're going to pay if you start bringing attorneys in and then have to hire and pay me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, that's all I can say. I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to charge charge less than than I'm worth. Um, I charge. Oddly enough, I do charge less for my divorce practice, but there's a reason for that. And the reason is that I'm targeting um middle class working working people working couples, and uh, I want to make myself affordable uh, i'm really really conscious of the fact that the divorce market is so expensive in terms yeah. of litigating and even collaborative that I just want to make it you know I have a soft spot just to be frank and i want I want people who are otherwise priced out of the system to have a chance to get some quality work done and resolve their um, their situation and get on with their lives.
1: Well, and it's nice also to take those cases that are appropriate to handle, uh, uh, you know, in a mediation st- setting instead of clogging the court's docket with, um, you know, too many cases with, uh, you know, people paying for, you know, a status call every month for their attorney to go to court and say, we're still doing discovery. Um, you know, so I can see that there are some where, you know, especially if the, it seems that the parties don't have children uh, or if it's just simple, um, you know, they want to, you know, you take your stuff, go this way, I'll go this way, um, you know, then, you know, they could get that done through mediation. Now, what happens when they come to, um, let's say it's a pre-litigation or they never want to go to litigation and they use a mediation service like your, like yours or any other's? Um the what do they do? just um you know do their own agreement and maybe file it with the clerk of court uh you know what do they do? How does that work well
2: well first of all um i, I never file anything for anyone uh, uh-huh. for for very specific reasons but uh, i don't go to court um i i I, on, I only carry mediator malpractice insurance okay, and that alone prevents me from you know, just for for the sake of prudence i will not um Right. Court, court so what, what I do in a divorce situation is I, at the end of the day, will provide a marital settlement agreement, which I believe to be you know binding. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure they are none of has ever been none of them have ever had a problem.
1: so just as they're a divorce attorney, would you do a marital settlement agreement you know same same deal, but just coming from the mediator who's also a lawyer in this case
2: right i'm I'm qualified to draft it uh, you know right. and and um, it reflects the agreements of the parties. I do it um, much less expensively than an attorney would. First of all, um, I'm, I'm one person. Second, I, I do it rather, rather, rather simply. I have an 80-page boilerplate that I start with, which is every clause that I could think of uh, that would go into a possible contract. You know, 17 variations on spousal support, et cetera, et cetera, every possible piece of property. Which, which means that I don't have to special draft any of that stuff. Right. I just have to do a little cut and pasting, and then I can do, I can draft whatever unique things I need to. But that certainly keeps the cost down. Um, and I get it done within a reasonable amount of time, and uh, it, it's it's relatively inexpensive. Uh, you know, when I when I'm done with the divorce, the bill is rarely over five thousand dollars, unless there's a lot of stuff being argued about at a great length, right? And when you mention kids, I mean, if kids are involved, that's not 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 a, an issue for me. We can handle all of those issues: custody, visitation, uh, child support. Those are things we can do in mediation. There's no limit. There's
1: no the limit. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm just I'm thinking in terms of um, you know different. Different different states, different motivations, and some states have a have a shared time payer formula where child support is calculation of overnight visits. Other states don't. So, um, yeah, I in my background and experience, just you know, the family law cases where cust, anytime custody is at issue, um, it's just it's very expensive and it takes a very long time, and um, it, just, it often seems that uh, you know these are kids college funds that are getting spent on, on uh, you know fighting over you know where Billy's sleeping you know two nights a week
2: well that's number one but first of all in California there's a computer program called the Diso Master okay which the judges use and any attorney in, in the field has or certainly should have I have it on my computer so I can calculate with, with pretty, 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 uh, pretty, pretty exactly what the court is likely to order.
1: Sure, sir. Sure. We have a system like that too here.
2: Right. So, so the child support is 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 not very tough to figure out. Um. And you know, we we use, there are sometimes issues as to what the real income is if someone is temporarily unemployed. Blah blah blah. There's a lot of stuff right. that has to be worked out, but I could certainly be pretty per, pretty persuasive on that singular issue now. Custody. Um, you know, I start at the at the obvious. I can usually start with the presumption that each parent wants what's best for the kids. Right. Regardless of how that plays out, I can usually at least get that agreement, and then then I play that from there. Um, but but again, the custody fight is so litigious and so expensive that I, I usually have a lot of leverage in terms of 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 um, how can I put it, refereeing that, that discussion.
0: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> um, you know, it is surprising how how often, you know, again, because they're paying me by the hour, uh, most of these folks are just dread the notion of going to war and getting involved with attorneys and, and you know, what, and what they see on TV and everything else. Right. And and they often come to me with with a fair most of them come to me with a custody plan already in place in their minds or or at least something um, embryonic that we can work with. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you know, the ones who really want to go to war uh, don't really go to mediation. For example, if you have a um, a husband who owns a business and he won't open up the books to the wife, well, well, I can't mediate that.
1: Right. She's going to need subpoenas.
2: I don't issue subpoenas
1: let's move let's move on to uh let's move on to something besides family law um but i but i can certainly uh, you know alec that's certainly uh you know certainly on a on the cost benefit you know the cost side of uh, um you know what people could spend knowing that you know some of the divorce situations you know run into um you know i don't think it's on um, of the ordinary to see 20000 i've seen 40,000. I mean we've all seen huge huge bills so um certainly and i, I appreciate that opportunity that you have to um, you know, work with some of the people who uh, otherwise don't have access to those sorts of uh, funds for, you know, long-term cases, so that's good. So moving on um, to some questions about the mediation. I'm curious as to uh, your professional approach um, to mediation, uh, is specifically psychology. I, I always think uh, about psychology a lot in our law practice management work. Um, it was one of my, you know, my favorite areas, um, in you know, prior to uh, going to law school, I was always very interested in psychology, so um, how does that, do do you use a lot of psychology, and how does that play into uh, mediation?
2: Well, I always say that psychology is the area that separates the men from the lawyers, if you will. (laughs) Uh, As I said, I have a very retentive memory, which is a huge help. Um, It allows me to concentrate on direct discussions, uh, especially in caucus with each party and his or her attorney. I try to discuss what led that person to court and what's behind the position, getting past the legal issues. And it's amazing if I can draw out the conversation, just you know just draw it out, let them do most of the talking, or as much of it as I can. Uh, it's amazing how often things pop up at the most unexpected moment that provide the keys that ultimately lead to settlement. Um, and, and by doing this, it also helps me build better trust uh, between myself and the litigants, or between them and me, rather. Right. So that when I do become more evaluative later on and start to express my thoughts, uh, they're more likely to entertain them. Um, you know, and then that's that's really what I do. Uh, the legal stuff I, I can deal with if and when I I need to. I'm, you know, that's like sort of on the back of my hand.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't find that nearly as challenging as understanding what's going on you know why is this person in the room with me what's driving them um, is it just about the money if it's just about the money then that's a very you know makes my my approach relatively simple right uh, if, if i'm convinced that's all there is you know the fact that they say so doesn't necessarily make it so um, you know, when they start, like, like in this one case I can remember, in which I, I reestablished a business relationship, it was all about conversion, that these people were receiving stolen goods, da-da-da-da-da-da. Da-da, da-da. And then about an hour, an hour and a half into it, they mentioned that, that they just really missed those trips to Vegas together. <laughs> I looked and said, trips to Vegas? What?
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: What's that about? And, you know, <laughs> and they, they started giving me more information, and it turns out they, their families had been close.
1: Ah, and that led
2: into a very complicated settlement involving millions of dollars, but which restored the business relationship. And they ended up hugging each other at the end of the, of the, of the day.
0: Oh
1: wow!
2: And you know that's one of those rare occasions where, where that where, where some you know magic happened, but it didn't happen so much because of me, although I had a part in it, as that I, I just drew them out and and until something clicked. And it came wow. from them, not from me.
1: Very interesting now you know sometimes it's you know the the story will unravel itself um and um you know in a sense it makes your job uh, you know somewhat easier, but what it's not um and i I want to ask you about something that I read on your blog um and that was the index of over optimism um you know as it, being a tool that you can use as a mediator, this index of over optimism can you talk talk a little bit about that
2: yeah um that's something I've, I've been using almost from the start. I didn't really give it a name until, until I wrote that blog post when they decided it had to have a name for reference.
1: Everything needs a name, so that's good. Yeah. I like the name.
2: Um, you know, I, I often ask an attorney what they feel their odds are of success. Now, I know from years of practice that there's no such thing as a slam dunk. Slam dunks win 75% of the time, maybe even 80 I've had arguments with lawyers about this, you know, but you, you show me a lawyer that's never lost a case they should have won, uh, and I'll show you a lawyer that never went to court. I've certainly won cases I had no business winning, and, you know, if you want to know why I tried them, it's because the other side was so unreasonable that there was no reason not to roll the dice. Right. But I would have settled them in a heartbeat if they'd given me a chance. Um when I talk to the lawyers, for example, if each of them says it's a coin flip, then the question really is, why are they sitting here with me? The answer is because they valued the case at different numbers. Because if they both valued it at the same number and gave it a 50% chance, then they would settle the case at, at the value, you know, at half. Uh-huh. Each one would absorb half of half the cost. Um, it's when it's when people dif- disagree on the um, if they agree on the values when they disagree on the percentage. So, for example, if each attorney thinks they have a sixty percent chance of winning, which is pretty common, uh, that's an index of one hundred twenty sixty plus sixty. Okay. And at one hundred twenty, I'm very optimistic. If if that's the only difference, each one is slightly optimistic. Uh, I can usually be pretty effective in in, in getting them to 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 harmonize to agree on something that works, where neither one's terribly happy, but, but I, you it know, gets the case behind them. Uh, it's when the number goes up, when, for example, each attorney thinks they have a 70% chance, or each attorney thinks they have 75, that I, I know I'm much more challenged because I have to overcome that optimism. Got it. And it's normal for an attorney to be optimistic. They should be. They should be have pride in their work. I had a case recently where each attorney thought they were had a 90% chance of winning imagine that hmm. no attorney has a 90% chance of winning in my opinion but both of these did uh, according to them and uh, strangely and not surprisingly the case didn't settle i think it has by now but it didn't settle Wow, because each attorney thought it was it was money in the bank wow you know and i use that mentally i i never gave it a name but i'm always curious how the attorneys feel because it gives me a feel for what the atmosphere is and how aggressive I need to be.
1: Sure, sure. Now, do you just ask them? What do you What do you think your chances are? How do you, you know? What well, do you it do?
2: depends. It depends. Sometimes I ask them. Sometimes I send them both down and ask them to write it in a scrap of paper and hand it to me, and I don't reveal. I tell them I'm not going to reveal it. I'm just curious.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: That's great. But
2: other times I just talk around it and you know get get a sense of it. Just you know, that, that's just an art. I just play it as I see it.
1: <laughs>
2: I love it. But, um, but you know, sure. all the tools—all the tools, tools I use are like that. I, you know, there's, there's a mediator here in L.A. named Jeffrey Krivis. He's nationally known, excellent mediator, who wrote a book called Improvi- Improvisational Mediation, and, and that's very apt—a uh, very apt title for the way I run my practice. I, I improvise. I, I don't sit down and say, "Well, oh, here's my mediator toolbox. Let me pull this tool out." I just don't do that. Um, yeah, it occurs to me in in C two, as I'm working, as I'm in the middle of a sentence talking. It's in the back of my mind that gee, I got to do this, and hopefully I remember it by the end of the sentence. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
2: Hopefully I remember it by the end of the sentence and actually use the tool. But it's all improvisational at the time. There's no, you know, no. Write a reason that you could put down in a book and say this is the sequence I use.
1: Sure, sure. Well, you know, and I can see how life experience, uh, you know, your experience, you know, with law practice, plus also years of corporate America, uh, it really helps with, you know, especially in the complex civil litigation areas, uh, you know, in corporate dealings. Uh, you know, I can see a real benefit there. We have a one minute remaining before um, the show is going to uh, close down here, so. Um, we have a couple more questions, uh, Alec, uh, Alec. I believe that you will be a guest again uh, on the show soon, as we have some follow-up questions. Oh, I'd love to. So, as I'm told, we have 90 seconds left. So, um, we'll have you. We'll have you back another time for for some more questions, uh, Q&A. Um, Let me quick uh, give the folks your information again. Um, Alec Wisner of Wisner Dispute Resolution. Um, We thank him very much for uh, being on the air today. His telephone number, 818-776-1813. Alec at WisnerDisputeResolution.com. I'm sure you can Google him uh, and find Alec's information. Sixty seconds left. I, I love how the show always tells
2: us that <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um, just,
2: can, I, can I can I can I add one go thing. Go
1: for it. Yeah. We yeah, I just want everybody
2: effort. listening to know that I don't mind um what you may think is an idle inquiry. Um I'm I'm always willing to be of service, I'm always willing to share my knowledge and my time, um and I really don't ask anything in return. Um so please avail yourself of, of my service uh, just as a friend, as a fellow, a professional, or whatever your position is. Um, and if you see fit to hire me, that's that's wonderful. But otherwise, I'm perfectly happy to be available for you.
1: Well, thank you, Alec. That's very helpful for our, our listeners, too, that you uh, have an open-door policy. Thank you again for being on the show. Um, pra Incorporated's mission is to provide solutions, allowing you to spend more time practicing law and less time managing the business of law. Our mission's underlying values are transparency, flexibility, and humility. We're a full service law practice management agency available nationwide when quality matters to your production and promotion. Thank you for calling in uh, Alec, are you still there? Yes. Okay. Um, how, how do you think it went? We're we're good. We're on we're still we're on but not streaming. So uh, let me call you back on the other line. Okay. All right, bye. Bye.